Well, it is good to see all of you here today. We are glad that you are here, and we hope that you'll be back with us anytime you have the opportunity, especially our visitors. Uh, we do thank you for your presence today. Our lesson for this morning is one that I've been pondering for some time. As a matter of fact, at uh, work one day at Sportscom, I remember somebody asked me uh, what was the good word for the day, and I saw I'm pondering something from Leviticus. And he said, I don't ponder anything from Leviticus. And uh, it's just something that, that came across in my own personal studies, something that, that I've been thinking about. I put it on a list. I have a list of sermon topics, of ideas that come into my head. And I make a list of them so I don't forget them. So as I was pondering what I might preach today, I went through that list and I found this idea and so I developed it into a lesson. And that's what I want to share with you today. So our lesson does come from Leviticus, the third book in the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And there's an important lesson in Leviticus. Now there are a lot of things in Leviticus that, that are hard for us to understand. There, there are a lot of ordinances and things that God gave His people. Uh, that, that we don't really recognize as far as our own worship today. But there are some principles in Leviticus, and especially in Leviticus 10. And you may be familiar with Leviticus 10. Uh, if not, you may be familiar with the story of Nadab and Abihu. I remember hearing about Nadab and Abihu uh, since I was very young. And so you may remember that story. But there's a line in Leviticus 10 that has stuck with me. As we look at Nadab and Abihu, we know that they offered what we might refer to as strange fire before the Lord. And because of their disobedience, the Lord sent fire to consume them, teaching us of the importance of obeying the commands of God. Aaron, Moses' brother, was their father. Now, Aaron was not a perfect man. Aaron had made some mistakes. One of the, the most critical mistakes that he ever made was in Exodus chapter 34 where he built a golden calf. And they worshipped it in Moses' absence. But as we look at, at Aaron... His reaction to the death of his sons is very interesting to me because his reaction was that of silence. In Leviticus 10 and verse 3, And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people I must be glorified so Aaron held his peace. So Aaron kept silent. It's hard to preach a lesson on someone's silence because we really don't know what they were thinking. Uh, we really don't know exactly what was going on within the heart because they were silent. And though it is hard to know what was in his mind, I want us to focus on his silence and see if there are some lessons that we can learn from them. 
Sometimes silence speaks volumes. I, I think of, uh, of times whenever you go to the funeral home, uh, maybe you visit with family uh, of a, a past loved one. Sometimes you don't have to say anything. Sometimes silence says it all. And I think in this instance that silence does just that. That silence says it all. So in order for us to learn from Aaron's silence, I want us to to recognize some things that, that I believe that he recognized. Some things that I believe he understood. First of all, I want us to recognize the importance of doing God's will. The importance of doing God's will. Secondly, to understand that God's will is best. As I do believe that that Aaron knew. And of course, acceptance of God's will. So we begin with our first point. Doing God's will. What does it mean to do God's will? And what did Aaron recognize in relation to his two sons? Nadab and Abihu knew God's will. In regard to the sacrifices they offered, they knew God's will. But failed to do as God had commanded them. I've often pondered what is meant by strange, profane fire. What is strange about fire necessarily? Let's go back into chapter 9. and Let's begin reading at verse 22. And I think that, that some questions might be answered for us here. Leviticus 9 and verse 22. Then Aaron lifted his hand toward the people, blessed them, and came down from offering the sin offering, the burnt offering, and peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting, and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people, and fire came out from before the Lord, and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. And all the people saw it. They shouted and fell on their faces. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. So what is strange, what is profane about the fire that they offered the Lord? You see, I've always thought of it in terms of fire is fire. And no matter what you use to set a fire, whether it be a match, whether it be rubbing two sticks together, maybe it's a stream of light directly on something that will catch fire, whatever the fire comes from, it's still fire. it's hard to differentiate from any type of fire because fire is fire. But if we're looking at this from the standpoint of fire is fire, then we're missing the point of the text. All fire looks the same. It burns the same. It behaves the same way. But why was God not pleased with the sacrifice of Nadab and Abihu? 
You see, as we look at Leviticus chapter 10 and actually looking back into chapter 9, we find that what is strange about the fire is not the fire itself, but what's strange about it is its source. It's the source of the fire. You go back to chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, and we read that the glory of the Lord appeared and fire came out from before the Lord. See, the Lord was the one that sent that fire. He was the one that caused that fire to consume the sacrifice. Now, did Nadab and Abihu know that the fire was supposed to come from the Lord? Absolutely, they did. They'd seen it happen. They knew where that fire was supposed to come from. And as priests of God, they knew. This was not their first burnt offering. The problem was that they offered unto God something with fire, fire of which He had not commanded them. And that's why it was strange. That's why it was profane, because God had not commanded them regarding the fire that they used. Knowing what God desired, they took it upon themselves to change the worship of God into something that they desired instead. They offered according to their own will rather than the will of God. <coughs> And as we recognize from this account, it is important for us to do the will of God as it has been given to us. I believe that, that as Aaron, as he has seen the death of two sons, I believe that he recognized this importance more than ever before. And maybe better than any of us ever could. But he recognized the importance of doing as God commanded. And thus, he held his peace. The consequence of their actions was death by the consumption of fire. Maybe ironically, maybe not, but in much the same fashion as their offerings should have been consumed. Fire came from before the Lord and consumed them. Now, as we look at Leviticus 10, can we learn from the mistake of Nadab and Abihu? Absolutely, we can learn from it. They presumed to know what God would be pleased with. Or else maybe they just didn't care. But even knowing how God wanted His sacrifices to be made, they still offered with strange and profane fire. They failed to present the sacrifices as they had been instructed to offer them. And we don't have sacrifices or burnt offerings today. We don't use those types of sacrifices because we know that Christ was the one perfect sacrifice that was offered on our behalf. And through the sacrifice of Christ, 
We no longer have to make these sacrifices because He is the sacrifice once and for all. And it's His blood that cleanses us today. But even so, can we make the same mistake in our own worship of God today? Can we presume that God would be pleased with this or that? We could. And it's been done. There are those that, that may presume that there may be an organ in the worship service would be pleasing to God. Yet we have no scriptural authority to use such an instrument in the New Testament. Or what about soloists, praise teams, choirs, and things of that nature? Changes may be made in regard to other aspects of our worship, such as the partaking of the Lord's Supper, or in our giving, our preaching, or our, the prayers that we offer. Maybe we will meet on Saturdays instead of Sundays, replacing the Lord's Day with another. There is great danger in presuming what God wants from us in our worship. Should we fail to meet the, the specifications of the Lord in our worship, our worship is no longer true worship, but vain worship. When the Pharisees replaced the commandments of God with their traditions, in Matthew 15, verses 7 through 9, Jesus said, Hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips. But their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You see, when we fail to keep the commandments of God, our worship becomes no more than lip service. That's all it is in the eyes of God, because it is not pleasing to Him. We have presumed what He might be pleased with. But we have failed to recognize what His Word has actually given us authority to do. Nadab and Abihu are famous. They are very well known to us as Christians. But unfortunately not because of their obedience in doing God's will. And in Numbers 26, verses 60 and 61, Numbers 26 and verse 60, to Aaron were born Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. And Nadab and Abihu died when they offered profane fire before the Lord. Will we be remembered and recognized in the same way that they are. Even today, congregations and individuals alike are, are recognized, maybe more so for their disservice than actually for their service of God. Let's move on.
Understanding God's will. Understanding God's will. We may not always know the reasons for the decisions that are made by God. But we should recognize that He always knows best. He always knows best in every situation. Sometimes these decisions involve consequences of sin. I want you to turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12 beginning with verse 11. After Nathan revealed David's sin to them, and we remember David's sin, don't we? We remember the sin of adultery that led to the sin of lying and murder and others as well. And after Nathan revealed these sins to David, in 2 Samuel 12, he says, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son, for you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel, before the son. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house. And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground. But he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. They said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. When David saw that his servants were whispering, verse 19, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed, and anointed himself, and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house. And when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servants said to him, What is this that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. 
Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him. But he shall not return to me. David recognized the consequences of sin to be God's will. And one of the first things that he did, he didn't go about as many people do today, and he didn't just start off by blaming God. Why did you let my child die? Why didn't you save that child from death? I, I repented, I, I, I asked for forgiveness, why didn't you save the child? But what was the first thing that David did after he found out the child had died? He worshipped. He went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. And he understood this consequence to be a consequence of his sin. But he also understood it to be according to God's will. A little bit later in the same book, in 2 Samuel 24, we read of a census that David, David prescribes, that he orders. And in 2 Samuel 24, in verse 10, after this census is done, he's numbered his men, he knows the strength of, of the people. It says that David's heart condemned him. It condemned him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done, but now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. Now when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, Thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself that I may do it to you. Almost like three wishes, but in the other way. So Gad came to David and told him. And he said to him, Shall seven years of famine come to you in your land? Or shall you flee three months before your enemies while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days plague in your land. Now consider and see what answer I should take back to him who sent me. And David said to Gad in verse 14, I am in great distress. Please let us fall into the, to the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from the morning till the appointed time. From Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men of the people died. 70,000. And when the angel stretched out his hand over Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people, It is enough. Now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Arana the Jebusite. 
Verse 17, Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Surely I have sinned and I have done wickedly but these sheep. What, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, be against me and against my father's house. Sometimes the decisions of God are not in regard to the consequences of sin as we've been reading. Such as the loss of a loved one to illness. Something that, that none of us can understand. The death of a, a young child at the hands of a drunk driver. And so many others. These may not be decisions of God so much as the, the course of nature. And why would God not intervene? I can't say. There may be things about these situations that we just do not know. We just do not know about or, or comprehend. But God does. But God does. And no matter the crisis, may we always fall into the hand of the Lord. Because He does what is best. I believe Aaron felt that same way. In the death of his two sons, I believe that he held his peace. Because he knew that God knew what was best. And finally, accepting God's will. Accepting God's will. Nadab and Abihu failed to accept God's will. They took it upon themselves to do as they desired instead. One of the reasons that Aaron may have held his peace is that he accepted God's will and acted accordingly. In our worship, in our service, even outside of the worship services, our service in the world, it is important that we accept God's will. In regard to worship, He has told us exactly what He wants from us. Notice what is said in Acts 20 in verse 7. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to, to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Notice three things that are mentioned here about worship. First of all, their worship was on the first day of the week. Should we presume to worship on any other day? Now, that's not to say that we can't gather for Bible studies, and we do. But if we are to forsake the assembling of ourselves on the first day of the week, for whatever the reason may be, then we are neglecting the will of God. Because we see that His church met on the first day of the week. And they met with a purpose. Now on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread. 
They came together on the first day of the week to partake of the Lord's Supper. Something that we do each and every Lord's Day. Should we presume to partake of the Lord's Supper less often or, or maybe not at all? We would be neglecting the will of God. And something else that we find here that Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Whenever they met, they, there was preaching involved. And should we try to, to take that away? Or, or maybe lessen the significance of preaching the Word of God, then we are also neglecting the worship of God the way that He wants it. Any changes that we may presume to make in regard to the worship service would be just as the presumptions of Nadab and Abihu. We cannot presume for God what He would be pleased with. And there's no need to when He has told us very plainly, very clearly in His Word, we have His authority. Anything that we do not have authority for, we do not do. Anything that we have authority for, we do not neglect. So that we are doing the will of God. He has told us what He wants in, in regard to our service. Even outside of the worship service, even living the life of a Christian is what God wants from us. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Anything less than a living sacrifice just will not do. In God's eyes. That's what He wants from us. That's what He requires of us. He wants continued faithfulness every single day. Every moment of our lives. And should we presume to take that away in any way or to change it in any way? And again, we are presuming for God something that He does not want us to presume. He's told us what He wants. And that's what is required of us. It is important that we give Him our all. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. Jesus said that the greatest commands, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, with all of your being, with everything that you have within you, Love God and serve God. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Just as I would love myself, so I am to love my neighbor. And I am to care for my neighbor. I am to, to make sure that their needs are, are taken care of if I have the ability to, to do so. We must obey the commands of the Lord in our worship. Yes. In our service daily. Yes. 
in our lives of faithfulness. Yes. Going back to our text, Leviticus 10 and verse 3. Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. The Lord spoke unto Aaron these words, that he must be glorified. God was not glorified in the sacrifice of Nadab and Abihu, but he must be glorified. And Aaron recognized the failure of his sons, and so he held his peace. Should we fail to glorify God, what will be the consequences of our actions? Should we fail to glorify God, what will be the consequences of our actions? Though we may not be consumed by a raging fire from the Lord in a moment, we will ultimately suffer in eternity for our disobedience. Matthew 25, verse 41. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Verse 46, And these, the wicked, will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Consequences of our disobedience today may not be immediate, and they may not affect anyone else, for that matter, mostly just our souls. But there are consequences to our actions, no matter what they are. And even if nobody else realizes them, it's between you and God, you know. You know what the consequences will be for disobedience. Because He has told us in His Word. It's not for me to speak for Aaron. But I do believe these things to be the things that he saw. The things that he recognized even in the passing of his two sons. The importance of doing God's will. Knowing that God's will is, is best in every situation. And accepting God's will. The importance of accepting His will making sure that we do according to His will. Are you a Christian? Have you obeyed the gospel? 
Repent. Confess your faith in Christ. Be baptized for the remission of sins. And leave a life of disobedience and, and begin to walk with Him. A new life. A new direction. A new way. Maybe it is that you've become a Christian and maybe you've not remained faithful. Maybe you need to come back. Maybe you need to repurpose or rededicate your life to Him. Maybe you need help in doing that. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness or maybe you need to ask for prayer on your behalf. But if you stand in a life of disobedience, if you continue to stand and to live outside of Christ, know the consequences of your actions. But make sure that your life is a life of obedience to Him. If you are subject to the Lord's invitation in any way, then we give you the opportunity to come as together we stand and as we sing.